today we have got the man of God himself. We know him. We love him. He is. Great, great man. Great, great man. I always take this moment just to do, I take the moment to do this uh, whenever, whenever I'm here and, and, not, and not speaking because I want to make sure that we are a house that is established with the kingdom culture of honor. Okay. Kingdom culture of honor to where we make sure that we extend honor to whom and those to whoever it needs to go to in the way that it needs in the way that it needs to go to. So since God has said it, that Pastor Ashley now serve as the lead pastors, we want to make sure that we lead and making sure that, that we, we do that. So man of God, Pastor A B, Pastor Anthony Bynum.
has been laying an awesome foundation and building upon it. And I'm just going to do my little part to, to add on to that. And we're going to go to uh, Hebrews 11. We'll start at verse 13 and we'll read through verse 16. So we'll start at verse 13 and it's up on the prompter. You can also highlight this in your Bible app or if you have the old school traditional Bibles, go ahead and get your place marked, set, underline it, you know, for the start by it, highlight, whatever you need to do. All right, so 13 says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Next verse. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Next verse. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Let the blessing of God be added to his word. So, now, we'll go back to verse 13. Let's go back to verse 13. All right. And this is what we'll start unpacking. So, we've been talking about this subject. Let's start right from the beginning. These all died in faith. Let's stay right there for a second and do a little bit of unpacking. So, we say these all died in faith. And we know we're talking about the patriarchs, the ones that we've been discussing week over week, right? And we've been talking about the Hall of Faith, each person. So we're saying that they all died in faith. Now, I want you to look at the term die in faith, okay? Because there's something that God wants us to see here when we see two words. It's funny how we see those words together, die and faith. Faith being something that is eternal. Death being something that stops or ends. And it doesn't make sense. How can you die in faith? Because faith is a continuation. It's something that is, it is, it is a part of God. And just as the word is a part of God, the word will last forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will continue. Down through the ages we hear, we know that the worlds, right? The eons, the times, the ages have been established by the word. He holds everything up with the power of his word. His word reverberates from generation to generation. So we understand that that continues. Well, faith is the same thing. It's another part of God. And in order for us to really receive the word, faith is necessary. So faith is eternal. Faith is another part of God. That's why we don't operate off of our own faith. Because if we had that ability, the faith could end when we end. But we operate off of the faith of God. And because we do that, then God's faith continues. So let's keep that in mind, a continuation. There's a scripture I want us to go to. Can we go to John 12, 24, I believe. Or let's see. I think it's going to be, yeah, 24. All right. All right, so we're talking about death. Now, it's important that we look at the word death from what we just read in Hebrews 13 
And we think about it in a different context. So let's look at what death really is. So Jesus in John makes this comment. And he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the people of God. And he's prophesying about his death. Now, we know that Jesus is eternal. We know that he is alive. But he is prophesying to men about his death. And so he gives them an understanding of what death really is. So he says this. He says, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. So let's look at death from the standpoint of where we should really be viewing death right now. Because these men died in faith, but their death then became a process. Now we know if we look at if we look at how plants are done, so I'll speak to you in reference to farming. If we look at how plants are done, then we understand that a seed has to die in order to germinate. The germination process is a process that happens after the outer hole dies or perishes. And what it does is it falls away and what's inside, the nutrients and the life source begin to sprout. And so out of the death process of the shell of the seed, the life of what's inside actually gets the chance to step forth and be a blessing to anyone who wants to reap that harvest. So let's take a look at what really happened when these men died in faith. In faith. Go back to Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews 13. Yeah, 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 yeah. These all died. So let's look at it from that context. So these all died in faith. What did we just hear? Jesus says himself that unless the grain dies, it's only single. It has no ability to reproduce because it's just a seed. How many of us eat seeds? We eat seeds, but we don't expect harvest when we eat seeds, right? Right? But if you plant said seed, how much more could you eat off of what the seed will bring to harvest? So if you really want to walk in faith, it's going to require a death process. Amen. Amen. So we're going to unpack this. Come on, let's go. Are we tracking? We tracking? You with me? All right, now, now, check this out. So here, let's look at the men again. These all died in faith. These, let's go back to these, and let's get more specific. So we start with these in the context of what Pastor preached previously. And we talk about Abel first. According to the scriptures, Abel is the first generation that's going to be mentioned here in Hebrews of faith. And so I thought it odd that Abel would be the one that was selected. 
because Abel himself didn't have any earthly descendants. So I was wondering, why would God select in the book of Hebrews, which is a letter that's written to Hebrew people who know the history and law of God and the genealogy of Jesus Christ, why would they select someone that didn't appear to be in that genealogy? Because they're talking about Jesus. But here and again, they're going to use Abel as the first person to establish where faith was shown. So we know from Pastor Wonderful preaching that Abel was moved to give offering. And I started asking this question, who is Abel? Who is Abel? So I looked up his name because name. Your names are characteristic. Just as we learned last Sunday as Pastor went through and through the dedication and he began to read off of the names and give an idea of what God had in mind when he created the person. So if you really want to understand character about someone that has not had a lot of literature where you're able to see all the things that they've done, the best place to start is the name. So I started with Brother Abel's name and his name means breath out of the mouth. Hmm. Breath out of the mouth. That sounds very familiar. Breath out of the mouth. And the wonderful thing about what's already happened, because this was not pre-planned, was we understand that in Psalms 150, verse 6, the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise God. Now, this would establish that Abel, just from implication of his namesake, was a praiser. He had a lifestyle of praise. He blessed God with his mouth. He didn't have a problem to give God glory or to give him praise. And the wonderful thing is, is that that praise is such an important attribute necessary to be able to walk in the realm of faith. Because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. Well, guess what? You can't believe without praising. Praising establishes that you believe that there is an invisible God who is worthy of a real praise. And so when you praise God, what you take an opportunity to do is pull him into your circumstance. You don't believe me with the word because it says he inhabits the praises of his people. So if you bless God with your mouth, what you really do is you take inventory of your circumstance and you say, you know what, I don't have time for you. Instead, I'm going to give glory to God. And when I give glory to God, I bring him into my circumstance. So I make an invisible God visible by my praise. My God. My God. one selected was a praiser. Mm. So this made me go back and ask some questions because I've always had this question in mind. Most of us know the story of Cain and Abel. And we understand that Cain, being the eldest brother, slew his younger brother Abel. There was a circumstance where at the fullest of time, there was an offering to be given to God. And this offering was given to God. And so Abel was a person, he was a shepherd. He took care of the flocks. So Abel brought up the fat of his flocks. 
Well, Cain, he was a farmer. So he brought of his fruit, of his harvest, and gave to God. And so you have two people giving to God. And I always pose the question, why was Abel's offering acceptable, yet Cain's offering was not? And so, here I go again, I take a look at Brother Cain. And so when I review his name, his name means possession. Place of the heart. Amen. And see what you don't realize is what he told him. He said, 
If you're not giving from that place, it's because sin lies at the door. Yes. And it's because of your selfish, possessive nature that you don't really want to give to me. And I see how you give. So I don't honor what you give. Oh, God. Could we be giving our tithe and our offering to God as if it was compulsive? Because we had to do it, or maybe we're doing it. So that on the list, we can say we did that. Check. I did my part. You can't say I didn't do anything. I did what I'm supposed to do. Now, God, I gave. Now I need you to give back to me. You said in your word. Press down. Shake together. Run over. Give it to my bosom. Hear my bosom. With them gifts. But how you give can impact what you receive. Guess what? What goes into the ground 
the blood cries to heaven. And God will respond by compensating you for whatever you lost. Thank you, Jesus. But it's okay. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So, so Abel dies in faith. Abel dies in faith. He dies in faith. Alright. So when he dies in faith, considering John 12, 24, that death wasn't finalized. We understand that he was just a seed that was planted for a later harvest to come. Now I submit to you that Seth was not that harvest. But we will find where that harvest does end up. Let's keep moving. So next, we have Brother Enoch. Last week, remember, we talked about Enoch. What happened to Enoch? He was translated, right? He was transformed. He was changed. He was moved from one realm to another realm by faith. Now, the Bible still says that these all died by faith. And we know that Enoch never saw death. Why would it say these all die by faith? Again, John 12, 24. Death isn't death. Death is a process to germinate a seed. So in the kingdom, when you die in faith, when you transition from one realm to the next realm, what's actually happening is the composite of the faith that was applied to your life is then going into ground in order for it to be multiplied so that it can continue to provide harvest for generation after generation. So let's, let's, let's talk about Enoch now. Enoch. I said Enoch doesn't even have nothing but a few lines in scripture. Pastor, we know less about Enoch. That's all he got. But I looked up his name. And his name means dedicated. Enoch's name means dedicated. What are you saying? He said he was dedicated. The Old Testament says that he walked with God. This means that daily he had a lifestyle where he acknowledged God as God. And he had a day-to-day, -day, faithful, dedicated relationship. Oh, to God that we could be dedicated. Isn't it all that we want is to find just a few faithful people? Come on now. Don't we just want somebody who will be dedicated? So I looked up what the definition of dedicated was. And dedicated. Dedicated means devoted or adamantly committed to a task or purpose, being single-minded, having loyalty and integrity. Okay, I see. That was a good definition. Dedicated means to be devoted or adamantly committed to a task or purpose, having singleness of mind, loyalty, and integrity. So this spoke to the character of Enoch. And Enoch walked with God daily. And as Enoch walked with God daily, the Bible says that he is the only one that has a clear testimony that he, before the Lord, he pleased God. The genealogy, as you read it, Enoch is one of the youngest. He doesn't have the years and years and years that others had. But it's not about the quantity of his days. 
However, it's about the quantity of his days. Before he transitioned, he had a great record before the Lord. He got up daily and did what he had to do. He didn't waste time. He didn't go around and get distracted very easily. He was focused on something from God. And what he did was he related to him. I'm up in the morning and I'm right here with you. And late at night, I'm right here with you again. As we walk through the day, I am establishing my daily. You are my daily bread. Right? You are the air that I breathe. Amen. He made sure that there was an understanding between him and God that they were on the same page. So he was dedicated. What does the Bible tell us about dedication? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Do we have that, Tristan? 1 Corinthians 4, 2. If not, I'll read it. I'll just read it. We'll look at the B clause of that. And it says, it is required in stewards that a man or woman be found faithful. So dedication and thank you, sir. Dedication and faithfulness. Right there. So Paul is, he's talking to the Corinthian church and he says, I want you to just say that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. It's important that you understand that we are ministers of Christ, but we are just stewards of the mysteries of God. But he said that the thing about stewardship is that you be found faithful. Stewards, if we unpack that a little bit, is someone who takes possession, doesn't really take possession, but manages the affairs of someone else. They have no personal gain to receive from the, the items that they're taking care of. But they are responsible for someone else's stuff. So the thing about a steward is, if you got somebody to sit to, to sit your house, you want somebody who is responsible, right? Amen. You want somebody who would take care of your house the way you would. You want somebody who would clean it the way you would, who would use things the way you did, Amen. and who would take care of your stuff just Amen. like you would. Amen. So steward and the faithful steward is really ran by the obligation to be dedicated to the principles that are listed for whatever they have been given. If God says do this with this, that's exactly what a good steward will do. A faithful steward will not veer from the path of what God has already instructed. Because a faithful steward understands that it is important that I just be dedicated to what God has given me. What has God given you? And he has told you to be faithful. Because the scripture says if you were faithful over a few, you would be over me. But that faithfulness is important for you to understand that you have to act like God is always on. You have to act like a light is always on you. He's always watching. A good steward is run by an internal clock. They have an internal thing that's on the inside that says, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. Other people might say, I wanna rest. Other people might say, I wanna sit down. Other people say, the boss ain't looking. Let's, let's chit chat for a second. But see, when you're a good steward, your heart will convict you. When you are a good steward, there's something on the inside that just won't let it rest. When you're a good steward, you don't take 30-minute breaks when you're supposed to only get 15. Because God said that you are stealing the other 15. Because there's to be a steward over that land property. Why would I give you kingdom stuff if you can't handle natural stuff? You want God to bless you, but you ain't got no character, baby. You need to get your character. Raise me up. 
give me a husband or a wife and you can't take care of your cat. You better come out of here. Faithfulness, Amen. dedication, Amen. hard work. These are curse words for our millennial age. Amen. We don't like people telling us to do it right and to do it when nobody is looking. How dare you? Who are you to judge what I do? No, you who are you? You better understand it's not about you. And it will save the multitude. Wow. 
And so here we have Brother Noah, whose name means rest. And he rests in God, receives a, re a revelation and saves his household first. And that faith gets to generating. And now we all bear witness to it. Thank God for Brother Noah. But he also dies in faith. Miracle happened. Flood. Wipes out everybody. His family starts everything over. Still classified as dying in faith. We'll keep going. Work it out. <laughs> Work it out now. We'll keep going. So who's after Noah? After Noah. We got Brother Abraham. Now, Abraham is classified as the father of faith, most of us. But Abraham was down on the list. And we got Abraham here. And Abraham and Sarah leave a land and are moved into another land by faith that God would tell them. Now, here's where we come to the transition. Because Abraham now is going to establish something that's very new. He establishes that a location has to be, has to be set by God. He's living in one area. God deals with him in that area and says, now I want you to move. And he moves to another area. But even in the new area, as Pastor preached, he's dwelling in a land as if he is a pilgrim. He has no home there. So he dies in this land that's a new land where God has actually transitioned him to a new place. But now, even though he's been transitioned to a new place, he now has something that still says that it was he had to die there. So why then would God Commit this man who moved by faith to still be classified to die in faith. God is trying to tell us something, people. He's trying to tell us that we have to die in faith. Amen. We have to die. What is die? Die to your flesh. Amen. Die to your way of doing it. Amen. Die to how you think it should be. Abel, and Abel, Noah, Enoch, all of them had to die to their own perception of what faith really was. And they had to begin to understand from God's perspective what God wanted them to do. So now we have Abraham who moves and shifts. And after he is years and years beyond age, God says, I'm going to give you a son. This son will be named Isaac. The name Isaac means laughter. God has a sense of humor. God allowed them to name it laughter because both parents actually laughed at the promise of God. But isn't it amazing how what God will call something, what you will call something, God will still bless. And just because God, just because you laughed at God, just because you said, no, nah, not me, just because you said, I couldn't be the one, it did not stop God's plan. Amen. So what God did through Abraham and Sarah, who were both laughers, as he said, I will name your child after that, and you will call him laughter. But that will be so you can remember, don't play with me.
brother Abram is. He says, Abram, Abram says, I need to know for a surety. I done left this land. I left my people. My father's dead. And it's me and Sarah. I need to know for a surety that you will bless me. God says to Abram, I got you. Go. Do a sacrifice. Love this. Pastor unpacked it last week. Do a sacrifice. Right? You guys remember the vultures that came around. And so what Abram had to do was he had to cut all the different animals and dissect them and place them there. And then he had to wait on God. And while he was waiting on God, some vultures Vultures are symbols of the enemy. They come in to steal, kill, and destroy. They came to eat away at the sacrifice that God had laid. But here's the thing. As Pastor mentioned, Abram's duty was to drive away the vultures. But his duty was not to cut covenant. His duty was only to drive vultures away. Your responsibility through praise is to drive the negativity away. Amen. God doesn't expect you to do what he called faith to do. What he expects you to do is to do what he called you to do. Amen. He said, if Amen. you would put me in remembrance of my word, I will do what I said I will do. Yes, if you will praise me, yes. I will come in the midst. Yes. If you will serve me in dedication, I will walk with you. Yes, if you Thank you. 
the ground. And the grain that sprouted from that, his name was Emmanuel. They called him God with us. He did his thing in this earth. It came from nowhere. But you didn't see it. See what really happened? He said that no. Where is that at? Hebrews 10, 7. He actually quotes this.
given us as gifts. Instead, Lord, we want to be free. We want to be like Abel and be a praiser. We want to be like Enoch and be dedicated. We want to be like Noah and save our home through rest. We want to be like Abraham and go to a new land and start something fresh. Be productive. We want to be like Sarah and conceive and have a womb that may be dead but will bring forth because we allow faith to ignite it. And God, we want above all else to be like Jesus who said that I will take the ultimate death walk and pay ransom for everyone so that they can live not by their faith but by my faith. We thank you God for Jesus' faith being active in our hearts because of the death that he died and the power that he rose with. And we thank you because that faith will ignite the word in us and produce in our lives. And so in Jesus' name, we pray that your signs and wonders be added to your word. That everything that's lying dormant in the wombs of all of these prophetic Marys, that it come to life. That it come to life. That it is ignited by faith. Your seed is incorruptible. It always produces. Just let it be so with us. So we yield to you. Like the land yields. Let it be so with us. Thank you, Jesus. Let it be so. We give you glory, honor, and praise forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray.